0: that fear comes, in whatever form it takes, the only way that I know is to look it in the face and be aware of the fact that you have it, and then say, what can I do about it?
1: And we welcome you to this edition of Tuesday People, the podcast. I'm your host, Mitch Album. I'm the author of the book Tuesdays with Maury that inspired this podcast when we created it and sort of morphed on from that over the years. Uh, we uh, I think we we may have gone through every page of Tuesdays with Maury <laughs> at some point over the uh, 150 or so uh, podcasts that we've done, but we find ourselves reverting back to a lot of the lessons that I learned alongside my old college professor as he was battling against ALS. And so many of them still prove relevant today and reform and recast and we're in the middle of talking uh, about one that we started last week in an episode that we called Joy Comes in the Morning, and talking about how no matter what you deal with at night, the demons that come at night, as the uh, Psalms once referred to them, uh, that every day that you get up gives you another opportunity to sort of create a new blueprint, create a new plan, and we're going to follow up on that. And the second part of that, dealing with your fears with regarding that in in a moment, but we wanted to acknowledge the uh, enormous response that we got just in, in sort of, it was one of those coincidental timing things of the program that would just, when we were recording the podcast, Lisa had the, the sad duty of, of burying uh, her long time or euthanizing her long time Pet dog, and uh, she was talking about it, and I think Lisa, maybe your pure emotion or the way that you know you expressed yourself, which was obviously true and from your heart, struck a chord with a lot of people.
2: Yeah, we had so many. First of all, I want to say whoever's listening that that uh, sent their condolences. Thank you so much. We had so many people reply and and like it and comment on the post. Um, like I think as of this morning, it was like 200 or something like that um, responses to it. And other people shared their losses too. Some of which happened this past week Mm. as well. So it was really sort of um, touching, you know, to see people's stories and, and read their, their, you know, their thoughts and about people who posted about their own animal loss that they've had in the past and how it's a really deep grief, you know, it's a very, uh, a very special kind of grief. And uh, and just coincidentally, also yesterday in the New York Times, there was an article about the guilt associated with euthanizing your animals, hmm. um, which maybe we could do that topic at some point because it was a really interesting article and it came at the perfect time because I don't care who you are. You either feel like you did it too soon or too late and some you didn't do something in your final days you should have done or there's always guilt, you know?
1: Yeah. The, the story also mentioned that uh, Barcelona in Spain is going to invest in establishing the country's first public pet cemetery. And when I first read that, I thought, oh, this is interesting that uh, countries, people are finding that they grieve their pets so much that uh, they want to have a cemetery. But no, the the piece of the, uh, the, the, the point of the piece was critical of Barcelona. Like, how did it take them this long? They're so oh, and uh, 50% of the families there own a pet. Why on earth did it not have a public pet cemetery? Now, I have to admit, I, I, I'm not as up on pet cemeteries as I am now that I read this piece. Uh, apparently, they have been all over Europe and America since the late 19th century. In fact, the first one in England appeared in Hyde Park in 1881. Wow. 1881. You know, it's nearly 150 years ago. Yeah. And New York has Hartsdale Pet Cemetery in eighteen ninety six. Paris had one in eighteen ninety nine. So there's three before the turn of the twentieth century.
2: Yeah, that's amazing that it is the first one. You know, my parents who are in they're they're buried in Utica, Michigan. They even have a pet cemetery section of the cemetery where my yeah. parents where my parents are. You know, it's it's not just for I mean it's you know, it's part of the bigger cemetery.
1: Right, right, right. Well, you know, some people might be critical of that and saying, you know, what are you putting human beings on the same level as animals and burying them in the ground? And a lot of people, um, I think, when it comes to burying pets, first of all, it's more common to euthanize them, as you pointed out. And, and so doctors and veterinarians have their procedures. Sometimes people who have property, they bury their pets in the, the backyard or things like yeah. that. That's we just cremate. sort of in the tradition or cremate them. Yeah,
2: we've, we have all their ashes here.
1: But I think the idea of a cemetery for pets is the same as the idea as a cemetery for human beings, which is a place to go and commemorate and remember and mourn. I mean, a cemetery really doesn't serve a function after the burial, mm-hmm. uh, right? You know, you're not going and actively doing anything in a cemetery after the burial is done. The remains are there. But you go and visit. And you sit, and you can sit by a tombstone, and you can remember. And and if if a pet was a huge part of your life and a huge companion to you, and you miss that, and you want to remember that, how is it any different doing that for an animal than it is doing it, you know, for a human? Uh, you know, yeah, it's just it's all part of the same. It's all part of the same human experience, and all part of the same um, grief that yeah. we share when we lose companions.
2: Yes, an emotional connection to other beings whether they be human or not human.
1: Mm-hmm. Right.
2: So, you know, everybody always says they're like your kids, you know? I mean, when you when you come down to it, you have to care for them. But they're like kids that never grow up.
1: You know, yeah, they're, they're like kids <laughs> in the early stage.
2: They're always like 1 or 2 years old and you have to do everything for them. So
1: yeah. Well, how are you doing with it now that a week has passed?
2: I'm okay. I'm all right. You know, I get some sad moments. We got her back from the cremation place and uh chewy.com sent some flowers wasn't that nice yeah i posted something online about her and i thanked them for her birthday card that they sent like right before she died when she turned 18 and uh and then i thought i just mentioned something like thank you for sending the card before she passed away and then they sent me flowers the next day wow isn't that sweet they do that for people
1: yeah
2: chewy.com the pet store Pet store. Yeah. How
1: about,
2: How about them apples?
1: How about them? How about them kibbles? How about them kibbles? Yeah. <laughs> Anyhow, so say thank everybody for uh for that nice response. And it is a you know a a very universal experience. And I think because everybody's child is so unique, or everybody's relative or so unique, or husband or wife is so unique, you know, we feel sometimes when we lose uh, a loved one, a human loved one that no one can quite understand our grief because no one quite knew that person yeah, the way yeah. that that we knew them. But when it comes to animals, you know, you tell somebody you had a golden retriever. So my beloved pet story was a golden retriever named Elvis, who uh because he was nothing but a hound dog <laughs> for uh um many years was my companion through my single bachelor years and years when I lived with two other guys in a house and through to my married years, you know, and he was with us after Janine and I got married. And, you know, whenever you would tell anybody, I have a golden retriever. Oh, I have a golden retriever. And then there was this instant, you know, like you, that doesn't happen when you say I have a wife who's a brunette,
0: right. you know,
1: <laughs> and oh, I have a wife who was a brunette. Yeah. Right. You know, don't you, don't you find that there's, I mean, that's it. You can't, yeah. can't go from there. Uh, but when you say I have a golden retriever or you say I have a chihuahua, there's this kind of shared, aren't they wonderful or aren't they great when they do this, you know, sort of their traits. And so I think people feel a a closer connection, uh, when someone says, well, we had to put our golden retriever down or we had to put our, our schnauzer down or our, our beagle down or our cat, you know. Yeah.
2: And they always know that feeling, you know. Especially if you have to do it yourself, like if you are the one in charge of making that decision, it's a really hard decision to make. And I understand why everywhere, it's not, um, you know, it's it's not a universal thing to do to humans because, unless it's in writing from the other human, you know what right. I mean. You you don't. Right. It's I can't even imagine if some human was like knocked out and you had to decide if you were gonna euthanize them I, I, I couldn't even do it I can barely do it for the animals so right
1: yeah it's a well it's a very very big question and a very, mm-hmm. very big issue for another day um, so to finish up what we had talked about last week about um, the morning and the the beauty of the morning and the opportunities that come in the morning to to sort of start anew and I find you know when I'm troubled and I have been recently dealing with just some some health worries, nothing wrong you know uh, I think sometimes health worries are worse than health problems that's true you, you imagine that you've got some kind of problems and then you find you know you you're worrying about them until you find out no you don't and uh you know i and and I find that in the morning you know a lot of times by the end of the day I've done a lot of worrying I've done a lot of a lot of unnecessary thinking, unnecessary projecting. And I sometimes feel like, oh God, this day, I just, I sort of, I really ruined this day with a lot of worrying. I, you know, it's kind of, you know, the day, if you think of the day as a sculpture and you're putting things on it during the course of the day and you're adding, you know, you're glomming on this and glopping on that and, I feel like sometimes at the end of the day, oh, look at this monstrosity I created here, all this unnecessary glob, this, and I just want to go to bed, you know, and, and go get away from it. But when you get up in the morning, you have a new chunk of clay and it's unmolded. And yes. you, even though you're only 12 hours or 10 hours or seven hours from where you were when you last left your thought process about your, your life. When you get up in the morning and you get this new chunk of clay, you say, okay, today I'm going to do this. Today I'm going to make this day great. Yeah, and, better
2: than yesterday, right? Yeah,
1: better than yesterday. And if you start to think about, if you start the day with gratitude, and that's, that's what I try to do. I try to begin my day before I write, which is the first thing that I do. Well, no. Wake up, use the bathroom, wash my face. <laughs> Brush my teeth. Okay. <laughs> Those are the things. I don't want anybody to think this is, this is an unhygienic podcast. <laughs> then I come down to write, but I deliberately don't do anything else. I don't want any interference with my writing process or anything like that.
2: We'll be back with more Tuesday People right after this.
1: I sort of said to myself, well, this was years ago. Your writing is a gift. Your mm-hmm. talent whatever you have is a gift from God. And if you say, well, I got to get to my gift right away without thanking the, the 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 God that gave it to you, that's a little that's a little like, you know, a a kid running to the Christmas tree and opening the present, pulling out the Box opening the toy and starting to play with it while never saying thank you to the person. If you don't thank the person or the the being that gave you the talent and just start using it, <laughs> there's part of me that thinks like there's going to be a little lightning bolt over my shoulder saying, you know, remember me. <laughs> yeah, so, the minute uh, you
2: get writer's block, you he's yeah, like, that's what happens.
1: Yeah, they wipe yeah, right. your head
2: clean of thought.
1: <laughs> right. So uh, for that and many other reasons, I start my day first with gratitude my prayers and things like that and i also find that it's a good you know if you do a little breathing exercise or meditating whatever it is that you choose to sort of set your tone for the day instead of just falling out of bed and being late for work and you know because really if you 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 fall out of bed and you're racing to get off to work or you know uh, racing for coffee racing to the car racing, you really don't give yourself a chance to set the day Mm, mm -hmm. you fall into the day it's a little bit like it's a little bit like uh stepping backwards into a swimming pool versus getting a chance to line yourself up and dive into it correctly, Yes. You know, which would you rather do? you both at times you end up in the water, but wouldn't you rather end up in the water the way you intended Yes. and uh, you know go in f- head first arms first and not fall you know belly flopping?
2: or just fa- fall in unknowingly, fall in which backwards. is how that's how most of my mornings take place i'm gonna I'm gonna start doing your mornings,
1: yeah. Well, you got to get up a little earlier. But, yeah, I know. Uh, I wake uh, up
2: right before it's time to start
1: working. <laughs> yeah, that's that's always dangerous. But if you can, and you can get that chance to just sort of sit quietly and set the day. Remember that phrase: "to set the day, set it up." Say, "Okay, this is going to be a great day. Here's why. Here's what I'm going to do. You know, um, and uh, here's how I'm going to approach it. And uh, I'm going to set a goal just for today itself." not for the week, not for the, but today itself, I'm going to get through by doing this, this, and this, and I'm going to be this way. And I'm going to, I also try to think of like, who can I talk to today that I don't have to, that isn't an obligation, that isn't a makeup or on my list of to-dos, but that would be pleasant for me as well as for them. Oh, I'd love that. an, An old friend. You know, I have such a list of people that I haven't, you know, when you reach a certain age, there's so many people that you haven't stayed in touch with. And I really feel like I could go about two months straight calling somebody every day who I have been meaning to call, but just haven't had a chance to. Yeah. And uh, and then after two months, start all over again, do another 60 or 70 of them in a row. And so I try to set that up as a goal. Because before the day's over, I'm going to speak to This person. And these are all like positive things. And as I said, Maury, I mentioned this last time, you know, Maury, once he had ALS, he said that, you know, he, he knew that he had to deal with agony and anger and sadness and the weight of the disease, but he didn't want it to take up the whole day. And so he would set the day by allowing himself to sort of howl at the moon for or the sun, I guess if it was during the day, uh, for 45 minutes when he first woke up. It was about 45 minutes, but he would watch the clock and he'd put a timer on it. And he would scream and yell and cry and think of all the things that were bad and wrong and how it was unfair that he had this, et cetera, et cetera. And um, think about uh, all the reasons that it was unfair that he had this. And then at 45 minutes, he would say, that's it okay, no more for today. I'll return to this tomorrow. I'll return to my mourning or my sorrows or whatever, but I'll return to it tomorrow. Now for the rest of the day, here's what I want to do. And so even if you feel like, well, Mitch, I can't wake up and set the day positively because there's just, I've got so many negative things that I'm dealing with and they're still there the next day. Just because I got up doesn't mean they're going, okay, but put them, try to put them in a box, try to put them in a uh, a limited time worrying zone. Okay, uh, if I'm going to uh, uh, worry about that. Let me worry about it now. Let me get it out of my system. And then once you've worried about it, and you've kind of run through, all right, this could be bad. This could be bad. What if this? Oh, I feel so bad about it. Okay, then stop. And then say, okay, this is getting me anywhere? No, it's not getting me anywhere. Um, is it changing anything? No, it's not changing anything. Okay, so I have the rest of the day. I can either repeat this process and just do the same hour every hour for the next 15 hours until I go to sleep, or I can say I already did this, which is what Maury kind of said. I said. He said, you know, I'm not going to pretend I'm not sad that I have ALS, but I already spent the part of the day on that. Why do I yeah. want to keep doing it over and over again? Now let me get on to the new parts of the day, the new people I want to talk to, the things I want to do. And if you can kind of set your day that way and, and try to inject the gratitude to it, Um, You may find that it feels way more open than you thought it did. Here is Maury talking about fear that he faced on a daily basis.
0: However that fear comes, in whatever form it takes, the only way that I know is to look it in the face and be aware of the fact that you have it. And then say, what can I do about it? Do I want to continue to tremble and submit, or do I want to try to handle it? And sure, I've had plenty of fears. As I said before, it's an automatic reaction. I'm going to fall. A person is hurting me. Uh, you know, I might not be able to get the treatment I need or want, not for this disease or something else, or whatever it is. I look at it. Okay, I'm afraid. Now what? So I just wait to see it'll go away without doing very much. It's just the passage of time. Or the situation changes. Or I try to detach myself. I say, okay, I'm afraid, but it's not me. I'm going to sort of attribute that to I like, got somebody else. That's my major mode of distancing and maintaining myself in this state.
1: So you see, he, as he tries to detach himself from that fear, detach himself from the fear of the day, and you try to do the same thing too, and you'll find that, you know, if, if you can start to make that an exercise, So it's something that you look forward to, almost like calisthenics, you know, every day. You say, I'm going to do my exercise about worrying and putting it aside. I'm going to do my exercise about gratitude. I'm going to do my exercise about setting the day. Uh, And you get up with that in mind. I think you'll find that your day starts to fall into a more organized emotional pattern. Uh Uh-huh. An organized emotional pattern. So you're not just at the whim of what mood you're in. You're not at the whim of whatever happens first thing in the day or whoever says something to you first thing in the office. You've already kind of set up your agenda. You've already set up your priorities. And then the morning can be, you know, a pretty amazing thing, especially if you live in a place where you can go outside and be a part of nature. If you can do that before your day gets going, you know, before the complexities of the day or the worries of the day start to take hold. I don't know if you ever get a chance to do that, Lisa. You go for a walk around the house in the morning or you take your coffee out on a balcony or or in your backyard or something like that and just sit there and say, you know, all right, I'm just going to enjoy like existing. I, I find, now this, is, this works for me, but, you know, obviously I'm in a different situation than some people, but I thank God every day, before I say anything else, that my body is working, mm-hmm. and that I have a house with a roof over my head, yeah. and that nobody is shooting at me, and I'm not worried about you know dangers or things like that. And you say, "Well, why do you do that?" I say, "Because I'm in Haiti every month for at least a week, and that is not the case for so many people there. They yeah. cannot wake up with all their body parts working. Many people are you know have had things happen to them, and there's no." healing, or they couldn't get to doctors. Or they do not always have a roof over their heads. They do not always have water to drink or food. And they don't know who's going to come after them that day.
2: They legitimately wake with worry. You know what I mean? That
1: they, worry, they go right. to bed with worry, they right. wake with worry. Right. And I'm not sure what I'm saying here would apply to those people uh, who have to deal with that. I think that that's a podcast that needs to be done totally That's differently. It's a whole other you know? thing. Yeah, thing. An 80 podcast. Uh, but, but the contrast and the seeing you know, what people do have to live with and deal with in other parts of the world does make you appreciate the gift that you get each morning, mm-hmm. the gift of starting over and starting fresh and having the resources to do it. And if you don't have to worry about your safety and if you don't have to worry about you know economic ruin, if you don't have to worry about where am I going to get my food today and where am I going to get my water today and how will I keep my kids alive today, you are already better off than a good chunk of the world's population,, yeah. mm-hmm. let alone hades so if you can bring that into your mornings, bring that gratitude into your mornings, you'll be off to a much, much better start, and then you you launch into the day. And then you do your best to try to, uh, you know, uh, try to balance everything. And, and if you end up at the end of the day with a little bit of a, of a claymation monster (laughs) with your pound (laughs) of clay, Hey, you get to start with a fresh pound the next day. You can uh, smash it it
2: down in the morning and uh, reform it, reform it
1: it out and do it all over again. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Exactly. All right. So next week, uh, well, we've got a, a number of uh, good people who are going to join us over the course of the next weeks and guests who are going to join us. And uh, I, I, we're going to speak with uh, Rob Schwartz, Maury's son, who's been with us before, and we're going to talk to him again. And I want to uh, reserve a show for talking about appreciating your parents after they're gone. Ah. Not while they're here, because appreciating them after they're gone and the uniqueness of doing that. Many people feel that all you can do after your parents are gone are mourn them and feel bad that they're not there and tell funny stories about them or loving stories about them and look at pictures. But no, there is an active exercise, an active Engagement that you can do and have with your parents after they're gone. Yes, and at least you know, in my age group now, so many of the people that I know, us included, you know, our parents are gone, and we sort of feel like you know we're the we're the next next ones to go, and we're the the lead generation now, and we're and and that's all true, but there's also a way to sort of still be a child, even after your parents are gone. And oh, totally, absolutely. An episode talking about that in the upcoming future so we hope you are around for all those we thank you for joining us today we do this every tuesday uh, check us out at wetuesdaypeople.com on the web you can find out about previous shows previous topics and more and thank you for your notes and letters and texts and yes communications we always appreciate those keep those coming uh, and maybe we'll read some of them on the air, do a show where we just kind of go through everybody's responses.
2: I would love that. That would be fun.
1: Until then, uh, we get a chance to talk to you again. On behalf of Lisa Goich, our producer for this program, I'm Mitch Album, saying, see you next Tuesday.
2: Thank you for listening to Tuesday People. To be part of our conversation, join the Tuesday People community at wetuesdaypeople.com. Subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss an episode and share it with your friends. We look forward to having you with us every Tuesday because, after all, we're Tuesday people.